everyone, and welcome back to On the Road Again, a Winchester's podcast from Nerds and Beyond. Uh, sorry for the slight delay this week. Um, I had COVID last week. I'm still recovering. So if you hear that in my voice, that is exactly what that is. Um, and we are so excited to talk about the winter finale of the Winchesters. Uh, this is Jules, uh, content assistant and editor here at Nerds and Beyond. I'm Kennedy, an editor and writer at Nerds and Beyond. And I'm Brianna, an editor and writer at Nerds and Beyond as well. I feel like we have a lot to discuss this week. I think the main thing that really came out of this week is everything to do with the Akrita. We got so much more information about their background, what their plan is. We also have all these crazy revelations that make you question everything that you thought you knew about the Akrita. Um, So first of all, I need someone to clarify for me how they take over their hosts and where the little bugs go when they are in a human. Because it disturbs me a lot that we don't know that. And we didn't really get a good explanation for it. The way that he just, like, dropped. Like, the guy just <laughs> dropped to the ground. Like, long live the queen. Boom. <laughs> but then where was his body? Like, where are like where are the little bugs living when they're not in their people? I'm convinced there's a stock room full of bug husks. That just wait for their... I think that the end, when they were, like, in the little archaeological dig i think that their bodies are like behind there or something <laughs> maybe it's so gross <laughs> the more we learn about the bug side of them the more i'm just like yeah like i just don't love it's it's the same gross feeling that like that episode bugs used to give me when i would watch that like possibly the worst episode of supernatural ever but like every time i see the little akrita i'm like that you guys gross me out I know I want a season two, if only to have a different big a different monster. <laughs> I was so excited because oh, I thought I thought they were gonna I thought we were having a misdirect of the Akrita and that they were actually gonna kill the Akrita in this episode and then we were gonna get like a new villain like to come out of nowhere. And then when Roxy turned out to not be the queen, it was like, oh darn it, we have to look at these little monsters. For the I kind of had a feeling that Roxy wasn't the queen because, just from like a strategic standpoint, like why would she be out running around just, I don't know, unprotected? It doesn't. I mean, it makes it sense. Make I just sense. didn't want to see the bugs again. <laughs> I do like that they kind of introduce that, like the box thing does work on them. It's just that they were aiming at the wrong person. Because I was like, what's the point of having the special box that can like transport all the monsters away if we can't use it for the Akrita. And speaking of the Ostium, you know, we learned a lot more about its origins. I mean, a tad more about its origins. We still don't really know an awful lot. But we learned that it's effective on the Akrita, that they could use it if they could figure out who the heck the queen was. Um, And I think it's interesting that we were talking about this a little bit offline, but we were talking about how we learned that it's like basically rechargeable. Um, and how weird it is that they have to take it like to the one rock and that Kennedy really wanted them to split it into multiple pieces. That was her her dream. Because it made no sense. What? You don't know where any of these other rocks are. You don't know how many creatures that this little box can suck up. Because y'all used it once last time and it was literally dead. So why would you not try and save some of it? It just, The logic wasn't logicking to me. Maybe it takes the whole rock to recharge it. But they wouldn't know that because they didn't try. So now maybe it sucks up more than one bug. It can suck up all the bugs. Wouldn't that be nice? And and My favorite was like they demanded the box in exchange (laughs) for Samuel, but like she didn't specify the box had to work. Like, why did we... (laughs) Just hand them the box and it's totally broken. 
I like that. that it wasn't that's... broken, just the batteries were dead. Just <laughs> change the batteries. It's fine. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> My favorite thing is Lata being like, I tried to shock it with some jumper cables. <laughs> Good for right? her. And Carlos was like, excuse me? <laughs> I don't know. I, I love every time they have to like figure out some weird MacGyver way of handling this stuff because they just don't know what to do with it. It's such a like teenage thing to do to just be like, whatever, pull out the jumper cables. That ought to do it. Yeah. That was like the present day equivalent of just like whacking the computer a few times <laughs> if that makes it work. Well, that's when John, and I know we're going to talk a little bit later because there's some really funny lines in this episode, but when John was like, are you seriously telling me we just needed to plug it in? <laughs> that was what we could have done this whole time. That was very funny. That was, I thought that was very Dean-esque. Like, it was a very Dean mm-hmm. comeback for that situation. And of course, like the other part of it is too that now we're learning that the Ostium is a portal. Like It doesn't kill the monsters. The monsters go somewhere else, which begs the question of where? And and who invented this? And like, what's the like, what's the magic involved in it? Like, how is it transporting them to another place, wherever that place is? There's like, they keep answering questions and then asking like fifty more questions with the answer to the question. You know? Didn't mm-hmm. they say that the portal is like back to where they originally came from? Which like, how did they get here in the first place? But also- yeah, and then where are the other monsters going then? So if the Akrita are going back where they came from, quote unquote, then what about all the other monsters that they could put in that box? Because it works for maybe all of them. Maybe it's purgatory. purgatory. Yeah, mm. that purgatory. would be interesting. That would be so fun if we brought back purgatory. Wouldn't that be sick? I would have so much fun if we did that. I do want to know, like, why the weird door that we're assuming is the portal location is where it is in some random underground catacomb um i feel like we've just been having a lot of indiana jones moments this season um i feel like it's important because i mean i they're they're not at the same place where like samuel was at the beginning of the the season where he was running around but i i don't know that felt very intentional especially since we're in lawrence i don't really think there are a lot of like underground catacombs lying around <laughs> but hey what do i know they're everywhere what do you say <laughs> i mean it's just it's so like every week i feel like we're so close to like figuring something out or like proving a theory right and then like this other information comes up that's like different and like contradicts things and you're like oh no like my other theory couldn't be right now because blah 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 like or even um the whole thing with like who is the queen like is it a character that we've met before or is it a character we haven't met before because Part of me thinks that they've been so careful not to show the queen. And like, even in this like last couple minutes, like when the weird creepy Acreta lady is like, we're going to bring you back to life. And they don't show like what, who she's talking to or what she's talking to. Like I, part of me thinks that like the queen is going to be somebody we know or something, which would be super weird, but it, it could work. I don't know. It could, but also at the same time, if we're going on the premise that they're just bug creatures that then take over a body it wouldn't really necessarily be a character we already know because nobody was a bug (laughs) that makes sense that we know i just picture them kneeling in front of this giant like flipped upside down bug like a dead i'm telling you it's like a little a a big dried out cicada husk but then why wouldn't they just show us that then why wouldn't they just show us the big dead bug why be all they can only afford the animation one time for that giant (laughs) bug it doesn't have to be alive it doesn't have to have the animation it could just be a dead thing just lying there (laughs) 
I need a little leg twitch from it. <laughs> well, I don't okay. know. <laughs> the Akuta are definitely, I, I'm going to put them up there among the weirder villains of Supernatural mm-hmm. in terms of what. In I'm enjoying it, work. though. I like that they're very different, and it's yeah. not something you can just Google and look up the lore and kind of see where they're going to go with the story. Like, they're kind of operating within their own parameters for this particular big bad, which is fun. It's just, it's different. It is fun. I mean, I think you could say that about the show in general. We haven't really seen mm-hmm. anything. Well, okay, wait. There was one, when when they, when they thought the... um. I forgot what the name of the monster was that y'all y'all didn't want to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the one that was uh, possessed by the ghost too. Yeah, like when they thought that it was a shapeshifter. That was like the only mention of a monster that was like actually on the original show other than like a I think, you know, maybe in the first one or two episodes there was like a passing comment about John being like are werewolves real or something like that. So <laughs> That was a great Drake Roger impression that you just did. <laughs> Drake, if you're listening, I don't think you actually sound like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Werewolves real? I don't know. No, I mean, I like the Akrita. I think they're fun. I think I, I love all of the... Most of the villains of Supernatural I honestly didn't have a problem with. I, I think that they're creepy looking, and I don't love that they look like lobsters and bugs. Um, But that's just that they work because they're creepy and they scare me. So <laughs> they're doing exactly what they should be doing. You're from New England, and you're telling me you're scared of lobsters? You don't they're like the little, way the lobsters look? They're freaking creepy, man. No, if you want weird sea life, New England has some weird-ass sea life, okay? Like, don't. Th- there's plenty I could bring up. Lobsters are the tip of the iceberg. But lobsters are like sea bugs to me. That's what I think they look like. And I think the Akrita look like them, so. Do crawfish um, also creep you out? Yeah, but I don't see them. Cause people I, really eat crawfish up there, though. <laughs> No, we don't. Fair like point, we like point. we have no exposure to crawfish, so <laughs> it wouldn't really come up for us. This is fantastic content. <laughs> anyway. That's where my brain went. That's where my brain went. I'm sorry. <laughs> you said lobster, and our version of a lobster down here is the crawfish. Now I'm gonna think of the acrina every time I see a lobster. <laughs> but aside from our monster this week, uh our big bad monster this week, we are also dealing once again with a healthy dose of daddy issues, um, courtesy of one Mr. John Winchester, who, despite the fact that every single week he tackles an aspect of his trauma, seems to have not overcome any of that trauma. Uh, And this week was actually kind of cool because we, aside from having a new guest star come in, we had an old guest star from the past pop up, Mr. Gil McKinney, playing Henry Winchester, which was Really nice. It was nice to see somebody from the original show make an appearance again. I thought it was I thought they did a good job of integrating him in without overwhelming it, you know, to the point of it being like a ridiculous cameo or anything like that. Yeah, I really like that they kept the same actor for it. You know, like it could it would have been easy to get some random actor to do the voiceover and quickly pop in as a ghost. But they kept they kept Gil, which was really nice. Like you said, it was sort of. It kind of just adds another layer of like, oh, yes, we are in the same universe as Supernatural and gives it that essence. It was, I'm, and I'm don't glad it wasn't word. any longer than it was. Don't say the word universe around Jules. She's going to, she's going to launch an intentional hey. word choice. I have been very good and I'm restricting myself to theory corner. So you can't bait me into bringing up the multiverse before then. I will For those now- who are unaware from Jules's live tweeting on the pod, anytime anyone said the word 
God, universe, anything in that purview, she would Dimension. run to the chat. Literally anything in that realm. And she would be like, the multiverse, guys, I'm telling you, it's real. It's happening. See, you guys are trying to provoke me, and that's rude. I already said I would confine my musing to Theory Corner, and I am going to keep my end of the bargain. And we're going to move right into John and his anger issues, because that is a whole topic bullet point in our outline. Um, So Brianna actually had the best possible phrase explaining how we felt about the scene with Henry. And I'm going to let her say it because she had a great tweet and I want her to say it. It truly, I almost forgot about it. They actually reminded me before we started recording, and it was just me tweeting that basically John got all the answers that he needed for saving the world, but none of the closure that he was really needing to heal Boom. and move forward. You know that was written on a whiteboard in the writer's room when they were breaking that, <laughs> that episode. They were like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give John all this information and none of it's going to be helpful. I that whole thing was so funny to me when <laughs> when Henry was like, quick, let me tell you why I left. And Sean's like, we don't have time for that now. <laughs> it's like, sure we do. It'll take three seconds for him to say, I went through a portal to fight a demon to save your life. And then I oh, met look, your children. I and I met your future children. You marry her. Have fun. <laughs> I wonder if that's why they were so careful when he was like, this is my friend, Mary. He wasn't like, this is my friend, Mary Campbell. Or like any, like there was no identifying detail. Yeah, it was weird that they didn't say her last name. I feel Definitely. like Henry was like, hmm. <laughs> I really want to go watch the episode where Henry comes through the, comes through the closet again. Just seeing if they ever mentioned Mary or anything i know i i thought that there was maybe an off-screen conversation like i thought maybe we didn't see it but i thought that he knew a little bit about them but maybe i'm wrong the journal doesn't he take the journal journal. so So he would assume that they told him stuff about their life yeah i don't know (laughs) But that's probably why they kind of restricted that conversation a little bit, because then we would have been hitting some very interesting canon questions. And on the whole, they've actually done a pretty good job of not, like, directly, like, contradicting or messing with uh-huh. stuff in canon. So I think that's probably why they 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 just chose to leave that whole issue off to the side. But I felt bad because there were a couple parts where, like, you know, John blaming himself for his dad leaving, which is just really, really sad and a very Dean way of looking at that whole situation. <laughs> Just blaming himself for everything, even as a child. And when he said that line about not having him to go to his baseball games, it instantly made me think of the future when we find out that John has this other family that he didn't tell Dean and Sam about and how he went to his other son Adam's baseball games and he never went, never let Dean and Sam play baseball. So I very instantly got upset about that because I felt like that was probably an intentional line. (laughs) something that flashed me back to the original series wasn't a line but the look on drake's face when henry you know starting to flicker out and it was just kind of trying to tell him like oh i'm like i'm proud of you son i'm proud of the man you've become and he just had this like emotionally constipated look (laughs) on his face that was so very dean i saw jules sent me like um, a, a tweet that somebody had made with, with oh, the yeah. cap of um dean talking to john in in the episode where he comes back in yeah. uh, season 14 season 15 um episode 300 but wherever that was um, lebanon yeah 
my brain is a little soupy today, guys. <laughs> um, and they just had like identical expressions mm-hmm. on their face, and just seeing John like clam up like that, honestly, like and just kind of overall like brush off the emotional stuff, which like yeah, I get it. Like they were trying to get information about the credo, which is obviously going to supersede like that stuff. But I mean, like Jules was saying, him just being like. No, we don't have time to delve into <laughs> all the problems that you've caused me and why I am how I am and how I feel abandoned by you. It's fine. It it was just very Dean-esque. I don't know. I also liked how um when Mary was like, oh, I'll go get your mom. Like, I'll go get her. She, like, sauntered out of there. Like, if I knew that you had limited time, we don't know how long the spell is going to work. And I want to make sure that everyone gets to talk to this dead man who may or may not be able to come back again. She was like, let me go get her. And then when she wandered in, she was like, oh, hey, like I would have run down those stairs. Like if I, I would have thought of that. I was like, why were they not running? There should have been more urgency. Yeah, yeah no urgency. I just no realized that. <laughs> That's why it felt a little weird when Millie just kind of rounds the corner. I don't know. Then again, we know how... Um, emotionally reserved some characters can be so maybe it was a little less dramatic running and a little more I don't know if I'm ready to face that conversation well Millie especially as a character is very closed off emotionally like both to her son and to others like it's it's really sad because she she's so like she like refuses to let herself feel anything and so part of me wonders if that was almost like like you said like she just didn't want to deal with it or she didn't know how like she wanted to see him again but then like how do you fit in all the words that you need to say in five seconds especially when you have this whole other goal going on that's like the whole reason for why you were even calling him in the first place like it's not like they were calling on him because they wanted to resolve their emotional baggage like they wouldn't have even tried if it wasn't for all the accretive stuff going on so you know, it's just, it's tough. While we're getting into Millie and Henry, did anybody, They it was literally like the tiniest throwaway line, but they were talking about how Millie and Henry were, or Henry was trying to initiate them getting separated, mm-hmm. like before everything happened and he disappeared. And I literally had to like pause and go back because I was like, I don't know if I just misheard that or... No, you heard that, right? Yeah, um, which I... I I had a, a dumb tweet, which I was very proud of, which was <laughs> <laughs> the Phineas and Ferb. Like, if I had two nickels or a nickel every time <laughs> that XYZ happened, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot. But it's weird that it happened twice because we did learn that um, Deanna and Samuel were also having problems. I, I don't know what that means or if it means Hunting's anything. hard on a marriage. Hunting is, <laughs> is just real difficult for married couples to stick with. It was just weird that it happened twice and we've gotten no resolution on either front whatsoever. Well, again, like the Henry and Millie thing is interesting because it's like, yet again, somebody's deciding on behalf of other people what the best route is. Like Henry's thinking, oh, I'll protect them by like leaving them. And it's like, you did more harm than good, buddy. Like even you up and disappearing, everything like that. I think that if you had just been a big boy and talked to Millie and explained some things that it might have been a little bit easier for you and you would have given your kid way less trauma. Like it's him deciding like this is the best thing to do. You know, like it's just like, oh, like men in Supernatural speak and talk about your emotions and what you're going through. To be fair, you could say the same thing about Millie. I think it's. Oh, yeah. At this point. 
it's just genetic it's just being (laughs) every line it's just messed up in that inability to communicate it's just a genetic feature now well kennedy had a good thought about we were talking about john and his anger and she's been on the train of interference of angelic interference or some other outside force kind of forming him and making him the way that he is yeah so um I think it was actually another one of uh, Brianna's tweets that prompted this train of thought. <laughs> it's all so, Brianna's tweets. It's all Brianna. comes back to Brianna. <laughs> um, but okay, ever since we had the episode with um, Mars Neto and John was just like beating the crap out of him at the end, <laughs> I've kind of had this train of thought that, um, which Jules was kind of opposed to at first, but I think I, I've, I've brought her around a little bit. <laughs> you won me over. <laughs> that's uh, mark this down in history we we never agree on our theories do agree when? on plenty of theories you like my multiverse theory even if you i do me. she tolerates your multiverse theory <laughs> she likes my multi you tolerate my multiverse theory <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway jules you will have your five minutes in multiverse corner 30 seconds <laughs> Well, my train of thought was that um, there's some higher influence kind of pushing John down this track of darkness. I mean, like, obviously, we've talked to death that this boy needs therapy like he has PTSD (laughs) Um, and just a lot of other, you know, abandonment issues and stuff that are really cropping up and, you know, starting to affect everything that's going on. But um, when when Neto was talking about um, how he he needed like a champion to prepare against this war in the Akrita, at first I was kind of thinking that like maybe there was some like I don't know monster coalition that was going on because the Akrita are going to destroy everyone and everyone was just banding together and they were trying to figure out solutions and I don't know maybe that's something that happened. But lately, and I can't really tell you why. I it's honestly just vibes. <laughs> um <laughs> I I feel like this might be not necessarily angelic interference, but maybe some heavenly interference. I mean, we when before we came into the season, we were talking about how like we know that there's gotta be a certain level of um heavenly interference to kind of push Mary and John together, mm-hmm. um, assuming that, you know, we're in the same universe and we have not gotten like even a whiff of that like whatsoever and i just i don't know like something's not adding up to me i feel like something has been pushing john down this path and when i saw brianna's tweet that she was saying um like oh so john has had anger issues since he was a child but it kind of stemmed back to you know everything revolving around henry that just kind of furthered my theory I don't know, not the most coherent one around. Again, mainly based on vibes, but that's what I think. No, I think you're right. And we still don't know who the man was that gave John the letter. That's yeah. still up in the air. We don't know who that was. But clearly, whoever, whatever character did that was trying to push him towards a certain outcome, which was discovering hunting, discovering his father's history and meeting Mary. You know, so that that in and of itself is interference because if he had never gotten that letter... Who knows if he had ever would have ever found any of this stuff and kind of going along with that. We we were talking before the episode before we started recording and I feel like Kennedy and I have one view of this and Brianna has another view of this. So I'm really interested to talk about it is the kiss. So obviously, you know, we finally got that long awaited 
quote unquote kiss between John and Mary. I mean, it's only like what midway through the season. I've lived through slower burns than this, but whatever. They they they're in a near death situation. Adrenaline kicks in and they kiss. And so Kennedy and I had one thought about the kiss and Brianna had another thought about the kiss. And so I'll let Brianna go first because hers is the more sincere thought about the kiss. (laughs) Listen, I just took the kiss kind of at face value. You know, they're about to die. They've got these strong feelings for each other. And John just sort of in the moment was like, screw it. I'm a kisser. At least I'll, you know, die having kissed this girl that, you know, I think might be my soulmate. Because let me tell you, I can't imagine he looked at other girls quite like he looks at Mary, even if he was engaged straight out of high school. But that's a completely other. (laughs) I don't know. I I thought it was cute. I mean, was it a little awkward? Sure. Kissing someone that you've known for a few months right before you're about to die. Not the most ideal moment for a romantic notion, but (laughs) I liked it. Jules and Kennedy, not so much. I didn't hate it. I never said that. I just, okay. Immediately after it happened, I like sent a message in the chat saying, I think I said, John really said last night on earth. Huh? Yeah, you did. It just, <laughs> the timing felt like, the timing felt a little bit off. And Brianna said, like, I get that they were in a life or death situation. Like, I understand that. But I don't know. Like, it just, I don't know. It did, it, didn't feel quite right to me. I, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I've been waiting for these two to stop dancing around each other because it's getting frustrating. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Take it away, Jules. <laughs> and he's like, I know you feel stronger about this. Go for it. <laughs> no, it's not that like, here's the thing. Uh, Meg and Drake have a lot of chemistry. They do. And there are certain moments in the show where John and Mary also have a lot of chemistry. It's part of why they've been working so well together this season. That particular moment to me felt like there was like no chemistry at all, which was very odd for the two of them because they're both good actors and they've both had that level of chemistry before. So it kind of was weird that it fell flat like this is big romantic moment. And it got me thinking about all the times this season where they have so very carefully set up these romantic moments that fall flat on their face. Like when they're in the garage and fixing the bike and John's trying to be all like, hey, have you ever seen an engine before? And Mary's like, I have. I fix these all the time. Or like when they're fighting outside and John's like, I just want to protect you and keep you safe. I did it for you. (laughs) I did it for you. And the music is swelling and she's like, shut up. Like just all these little moments where they're like subverting all of these romantic tropes like on purpose like they're trying to make you think like something's off or something's not quite right and in that scene like Brianna was saying like it hits all these classic romantic tropes it's like we're gonna die the enemy's at the other side of the door we don't have any time left I've been holding these feelings back and I need to just do something big and bold and it fits John's playbook of like doing the stupid heroic romantic gesture and then like immediately regretting it 10 seconds later (laughs) like you can literally see on their faces when (laughs) when they break the door down and suck all the accreta away and Mary's just standing they're like uh and John's like uh I didn't think I was gonna live I didn't think I was gonna live to see the consequences of that it just felt like it was a it was like you were telling a story but there was no heat behind the story like if you were to write down John and Mary getting together like that is how you would write the end of that story but it didn't feel good it felt weird it didn't feel totally right so I think it points to more interference theory 
and that this is just like one more thing that they're trying to like force this thing that's not like quite gelling the way that it should. I thought it kind of played to their how their characters have developed though because we have John who's very much a romantic and then we have Mary who's very much a pragmatist and a realist of like what's going down and in that moment she's not in romance mode of I'm gonna kiss this man she's in like I'm gonna fight for my life like I'm here Mary's like sit down yeah Mary's like calm down we gotta we gotta fight our way out of this and I think John was more resigned to his fate much faster than Mary was which we've seen multiple times with him you know fighting the what was it the Brugaru and like seriously the pilot he was like all right if I'm going down I'm going down swinging I'm gonna do the he's Mr. he's Mr. big heroic gesture again with Mm -hmm. no follow-through but that's why it just felt weird to me that it didn't have more chemistry like it just like I was looking at the two of them and I was like, oh, like like there's something and I think it's intentional because they're like good actors. Like I think that if they really wanted that moment to feel like something, they could have done it. I agree with Jules in that I think <laughs> this is what I was very less eloquently trying Come to on, say Annie. with my interference theory. No, just just like when I was hearing her say, like, you know, we've had all these moments where it was it was like a classic setup especially the one that like really stood out to me and that i know i talked a lot about in uh one of the previous episodes was the one outside when he was like i'm i'm doing all this for you and the music like swells and it just you know the camera's zooming in like really slowly and it just seems like it's going to be this big romantic moment and then it falls flat so i don't know if i'm as far down the rabbit hole as jules on this one but I do agree that it lends credence to my theory, especially since, like I was saying, we haven't seen any type of heavenly like pushback against them. The will they, won't they? It's, I mean, it's not consistent with the timeline. That I mean, obviously things are not, we, d- we don't know everything. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the whole point <laughs> of this show. <laughs> we know nothing. Y'all know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. But I mean, I was, because I, I was even thinking about like, moments that we, and obviously the original supernatural like on the whole was not about romance there weren't like a ton of romantic moments on that show but like even just like the moments where friends cared for each other on supernatural felt a lot more high stakes because they had more history behind them and they had more stuff going on like we were talking about the last episode that richard spate jr actually directed for supernatural was despair and that's when castiel had his whole moment where he confessed his love to dean and like that felt realistic because it was years and years and years of him building up to that moment And in this one, it felt like nothing because they just met each other. Like, you know, like, and I think Mary could get there. Like, I think Mary's falling for John. Like, I think she's, she's feeling some things for him. But I think that John, every time he tries to push it, like every time he tries to like do a big romantic gesture or kiss her out of nowhere, she's like, I'm going to run away from you. Like, I don't want this right now. I don't know what I want. See, I think the problem there is you wanted the romantic chemistry to be really strong. And like, that's not what happened in the scene. But I don't think we're going to get that until Mary accepts that she's falling for him. Like we've seen her do it a little bit, but she shies away every time. And I don't think we're really going to get that full chemistry moment until she is like, okay, fine, I'm all in. But what if she's shying away because she doesn't know why she feels what she feels for John? Because there's heavenly interference making her feel a certain way i'm not saying there's not (laughs) i'm not saying there's not i mean i could see it being that's why john's like way more rash with his actions than and like why they shouldn't work as a couple but i don't know (laughs) i don't know we shall see 
I'm very interested to see where it goes. I mean, and uh, we were talking about this too. I'm normally the one who's like into the CW stuff. And I'm just like, kiss already. Like I'm like, I'm all down for like the, the romance in all forms. I'm just like, there's just something eating at me about this John and Mary thing. Well, something that Jules said earlier is prompting me into the next topic. So on (laughs) friends caring for each other. Something that like really stuck out to me and it made me so sad was Carlos's little moment when he was like, well, you know, we're about to take down the Akrita today and that's great. But that also sucks because I'm not going to see y'all anymore and we're not going to be working together. And I'm not going to have this little found family that I fit into because, I mean, we know Carlos has been largely nomadic besides his uh, brief stint in the Navy for- forcibly. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you what did you guys think? We got a lot of Carlos information in a very short we amount did. of time. This episode. We did get a lot of Carlos information. I mean, I just I feel bad for him because he clearly thinks that um, unless they're like have a common shared goal that they're all just going to like drift apart, which like to an extent, I guess that's true because Mary wants to leave hunting. And it's pretty clear that if she does leave hunting, she's leaving all of it. You know, she's not going to be sticking around. I mean, I. I just feel like he's such a lonely character and I I want him to really feel confident in his found family and feel like he has all these friends. Like, it's just so sad. Or like, and we were learning about a little bit about his backstory and how his parents died. Like, I still want to know how he figured out it was a ghoul that got his parents. I want to know who like trained him to be a hunter. Like, I have a lot of questions about that. I still want to know kind of a little bit more about how he got to where he is, especially because he's such a skilled hunter, too. Like, he's good at his job. Like, who taught him? I mean, I agree. I want more information. I feel like they threw us a bone with in this episode a bit because Carlos, I think, got a lot more attention and love from fans very quickly, probably than what they expected for one of the side characters. They should have expected it. They know this. They should have. And I'm sure they did to a degree, but when we when we fall for a character, we fall hard as a <laughs> fandom. So I feel like we'll get a little more backstory, but this sort of felt like them working it in there a little bit, especially with all the Akrita information. And then we yeah. do end up having Samuel come back. So it kind of felt sandwiched in. And I was a little sad that there wasn't a little more like, I want like a Carlos centric episode, if that makes sense. Yes, that's why I wish that we would have like a full, like a true full season of TV for this show because like 13 episodes ain't cutting it. I like I need more in a season than that. And as we kind of move into, I know you just mentioned Tom Willing, and I feel like it would be a good time to bring up some of the special guests that we had in this episode. Like we already talked a little bit about Gil McKinney coming back, um, which is really it was fun to see him again um, and good to see Henry back on screen. But it was also really cool to see Tom Welling. I mean, obviously not as much as we're going to be getting. He's going to be in a little bit more of the season and we're going to have a little bit more with Samuel. But I thought he did a good job. I'm excited to see what he does. I did, too. I'm really interested to see how he's going to interact with the group and how his dynamic is going to be with Mary, because obviously they were. There was a bit of tension there before he disappeared and she blamed herself very heavily for everything that went down. And I mean, you could see that a lot when they find his bag and it's covered in blood. She kind of mm-hmm. gets that very real moment of he could very well be dead. And she's not ready to face that. So I think watching him insert himself into this dynamic that has developed is going to be interesting. But I'm excited because Tom Welling is a good actor. So I'm interested in how he's going to play Samuel. 
especially because it's already an established character and I'm sure he did his homework, but it'll be interesting. I've been saying since day one that whenever they found Samuel that he like him and John were gonna butt heads <laughs> and I'm still thinking that they're so I, good nothing in the trailer was like for the uh for the episode coming uh back from mid-season was really indicative of that other than Samuel being like pick up your knives and we gotta fight this monster I don't know what was going we on we gotta but, kill um, some monsters kids let's go <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like he's I personally don't think he's gonna gel well with the team I mean we've kind of talked about mary's initial authority issues because she was kind of trying to emulate samuel Mm -hmm. and i can really it's it's really a parallel with like dean and john honestly i can see her slipping back into that role very easily when he's around and instead of um you know trusting the new dynamic they've built and the new roles that everyone has carved out for themselves which works really well i mean they're a really well-rounded team I, I just don't really see that going well, um, no. especially since I feel like Samuel's going to insert himself back into the stuff. We say back. We don't know what this man was doing, but um, back into the <laughs> stuff with the Akrita. Plus, John has so many daddy issues that putting him with a male authority figure who's already kind of a jerk is not going to help with with anything that's going on. I, I'm waiting for the first you're not my dad to come out of him because... <laughs> He's just I, and Did we I, take bets on how quickly it happens. I know, and it's definitely not going to be good either. Once he realizes that John has a romantic interest in Mary, that is not going to be good at all. <laughs> at first, I thought that's why they were like staring at the door in shock. She was like, "We were just making out, and now my dad's here." <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> There's my father, half dead, and sucking the Akrita into a portal to another dimension. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> Now, something else I've been thinking about a little bit is, um, well, okay, besides, like, the obvious John Authority father figure <laughs> issues, in the original series, um, obviously not everything we knew about now that we're seeing was true, but Samuel, like, really did not like John. <laughs> like, he really did not like John, and he said it was because he was a civvy. I don't think that's true. Um <laughs> Especially since, yeah, he was just supposed to have came back from the war. I think you can kind of make that a little bit comparable to hunting. So that's something that I want to get more insight into. I know we've talked about (laughs) some like crazy theory about a historical beef between the Campbells and the Winchesters. (laughs) I'm still holding out for it. I still think that would be amazing if we found that out. The Capulets and the Montagues. The, yeah, I was going to say the, the Romeo and the Juliet. Just... The Campbells and the Winchesters. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to do a good job. I'm excited to see him show up more this season. And I'm also really excited next episode because Richard Spate Jr., obviously he directed this episode, but he's going to be appearing uh, in the next episode as Loki, his one of his characters <laughs> from Supernatural. Um, so it'll be really exciting to have all those people kind of together. And it almost drives home the point that it's in the same universe as Supernatural. Again, you people are the ones tempting me. I'm being good. We're almost to that point. Yeah. Let's just throw in a couple more funnies before we let Jules go on her unhinged rant. Let the the record show. I would forget it. I would have forgotten that particular element. Let the record show that I did not bring it up. (laughs) That not once have I brought it up. It's only been you two it's just so funny (laughs) go ahead kennedy tell us tell us the funniest the funny lines that we had okay well i don't want to do all of them but my (laughs) personal favorite moment was not 
a line, but rather an action. Drake, we had not seen a lot of comedy from lately because his arc has frankly just been really depressing. <laughs> but this episode, he picked up that trash can lid when they were fighting the Akrita. And he he had this big moment built up in his mind. He was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Throws the trash can lid, bounces off like absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. I was... It was so funny to me. Meg's face made that moment 10 times better because you just saw her look just like, oh, I, I have to do everything. Like every time <laughs> I, I kind of wish I like that when we were first like thinking about the show coming together and we were like, are they going to make John like a really good hunter? Like right off the bat, like, is he going to know what he's doing? And I like that they kind of add these little moments where he just like falls completely flat on his face. There's another one that we were cracking up because we didn't catch it when we first watched the episode, but somebody made a gif of just this moment. And it made me laugh so hard when they're fighting the Akrita, they back Mary up against a wall and they pan over and the Akrita is literally just carrying John over his shoulder and running down the hall. Like it just made, it, it was perfect. It was shot so well and I loved it. But just every time that John is like not the action hero he thinks he is, it makes me crack up every single time. And especially when Mary then goes and like kicks ass, it just, it gives me a lot of joy. I love when they do those moments because it makes it feel more realistic i guess Mm -hmm. of like that wouldn't work in real life (laughs) throwing a tin tin trash can lid at somebody's (laughs) stomach is it not gonna feel good yeah is it gonna knock them out no no (laughs) and i mean yeah like you were saying kennedy there's like there were a lot of lines in this episode that were funny the the one that got didn't get me on the first watch because i didn't quite hear it and then the second time i watched it i laughed out loud was carlos talking about any other hole just because you know you don't expect that he was oh carlos <laughs> well his like whole moment about i don't want you to be judgmental now reach under your seat and hide the baggie that's under there <laughs> that was really, really got that. me i was cracking up so hard it's like of course carlos has weed stashed all you know it's in like eight <laughs> spots in that van oh yeah i was surprised when he would said there was only one baggie she needed to hide like come on like the whole rest of that all van the others are in the panels of the van you have to take a <laughs> screwdriver to it to get to them I don't know why Mary looks surprised. Like after I know. First of all, like it's Carlos, but after the like this would be a beautiful place to plant a lot of weed. What were you expecting? <laughs> You've known him for years, Mary. You know what goes on in that kid's van. There's no way you don't. We would never ever get it, but can you imagine a scene where they're all just like high in the back of the <laughs> van, like sharing funny hunter stories? They could do it like talking. that 70s show where they would like pan <laughs> to each the person in the basement. Like, they yeah. could do it, <laughs> do it in the van. There we go. See, yet another golden idea we're producing for for this crew. There you go. (laughs) Fashionista Carlos is my favorite Carlos. And (laughs) when the police officer who was with Roxy came up um, to the van and they were like, hi, the weed. Um, When he came back, he, he was trying to like charm his way out of getting into trouble before they realized what was going on. But... When he came back after like fake complimenting his sunglasses and he was like, I did not mean what I said about your glasses. And just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed with him. I love him so much. And Jojo's delivery is just always 10 out of 10. They do such a good job. Their comedic timing never misses. Ada also had a really good one-liner with her. I let them pretend they're in charge and I drink. Because we always kind of, <laughs> it's kind of easy to forget that she's older than they are. Like, these are yeah. these are young kids to her. 
And she's just like, you know what? It's fine. Just let them think they're in charge. I'll just sit back here and do a couple shots to deal with their dramatic. <laughs> I'm sure she does too. Oh. She's just always a little bit buzzed. That's the only way you can really deal with it. I mean, I the line that Millie had where she was like, I hope he has dental insurance. And then she's walking away and she's like, actually, you know what? I don't even care if he has dental insurance. <laughs> that one just got me. I don't know why. The way she said it made me laugh. I loved seeing Millie and Ada's friendship this episode. <laughs> it was I was living. I don't know. We it's something we needed. I just like that Ada, I think, is kind of like a good influence on Millie a little bit because I think Millie is a character that can be a little bit harsh, like a little bit hard um emotionally, and she has a lot of walls up and she has a lot of her own issues to kind of work through. And I think that Ada kind of meets her where she is and is like kind of a good friend like a good age to be a friend to her and is a little bit more like open even though she has her own stuff going on obviously like she's still a little bit more in touch with her own feelings so I think it's good for her to hang out with Millie and I hope that some of that rubs off on her over time I think that that was the last thing on our main outline we just have theory corner now um do you do you want to unleash my rant now, or do you want to? Do you guys have anything you want to say? <laughs> Go ahead. Let's start theory corner with the wildest theory we got. It's not even wild. This is the thing. It's not that far out of reach. They're both laughing at me. Okay, so from the beginning, just to be clear, I have said that one of my main things that I think is going on here is that we're talking about multiple universes, which is something that was explored on the original show, and it's not like super far out of the realm of possibility that we're dealing with. But now, in this episode, we have confirmation that the Akrita come from another universe. They're not just like within this world, they're from another world, and this portal sends them back there, wherever there is. Now... How are all of these worlds open, you ask? Why? I'm glad that you did. I think that it is some Chuck slash God-related nonsense from back when he was trying to destroy all the extra worlds that he made. I think he didn't do a good enough job, and I think that now these monsters are coming in and trying to destroy everything. I think it's related to Chuck. And you might be saying, well, what does that matter? Why are we bothering to talk about multiverses? How would that affect Dean? How does Dean play into this whole thing? Isn't Chuck gone? Stop talking about the multiverse. But to me, what I think is going on is that Dean is in heaven sometime after he died, but before Sam died. So like there's all this time, an entire lifetime's worth of time, where Dean is by himself up in heaven doing God knows what. We never found out from the original finale. I think that something is pulling him back to Earth, whether it's that monsters still exist, whether it's his parents' story. He doesn't know why, but he's trying to find out the answers. Why does he need answers, you say? Well, I think that in order to get rid of the Akrita, you have to do more than just banish them to another world. I think you actually have to destroy the world that they come from and seal off those alternate worlds. Either the Mary and John that we're currently seeing are from another world and thus are not exactly the same canon story that we know, or they are from our world but have an opportunity to be sealed off and go and defy their fate and do their own thing. I think ultimately Dean is going to end up fighting with his parents to seal off these worlds and defeat the Akrita. And by doing that, he's helping them break the cycle that they're stuck in, helping him with all of his psychological issues, while at the same time giving this John and Mary a chance to live their lives and get some redemption. And it would also be a really cool way to bring in, if they wanted to, bring in other characters from the original show to help. 
And it would allow the Winchesters to do what it wants to with canon because they would be in their own sealed off little world. They wouldn't have to worry about everything. (laughs) The other two are at the end of their rope (laughs) with me. But I think it would be a good opportunity for the Winchesters as a show because you have to spin them off. You have to give them their own canon or they're just going to keep bumping into issues with the original show. I think it would be a really cool thematic way to tie things up in that 13th episode. Although it would be really sad if we didn't get another season out of it because hello that's like a huge mind-blowing concept and now i will let the other two jump in and tell me why i'm wrong or tell me to move on i don't even know what to say man like (laughs) i don't think it's a bad theory like i've never said that it's just kind of funny to watch you get worked up about it this much (laughs) the way i know you could write like a full dissertation on this theory is well you can blame robbie thompson because he did an interview with tv line after this episode aired and they asked him about multiverse and he said yeah like that's what we're doing kind of but like we don't we're not going to go into detail about what that means and i'm like robbie you can't tell me that that was intentional and then expect me to leave it alone i don't think it's as deep as you swirled there honey <laughs> For lack of a better, you gotta admit there's a lot of layers to this theory that you there just. Are. I don't think she's wrong about multiple universes. I just think it's in the same way that it happened in Supernatural, where there are other worlds side by side, but we're in the correct universe that we know from regular Supernatural. I don't think it goes any deeper than that. I could actually see the Akrita being sent to like the Apocalypse world. So then, I guess my question is because I I genuinely want to know. What what do you guys think is going on with Dean? I know Kennedy's talked a little bit about what she thinks, like why he's narrating or whatever. Like, do you guys think he'll show up in physical form in this show? Like, do you think he'll meet his parents for whatever reason? I want to say yes, but I also feel like that's just me having wishful thinking. <laughs> um, I don't know. One of, one of the theories that I'm kind of clinging to is... I, I do think that he's messing around up there in heaven, doing some things that he shouldn't do as Winchesters do. Um, and I i don't know, ever since I heard that like Axis Mundi theory that we were talking about, I, I felt like that might have some credibility. Um, I do think that it makes the most sense. We've talked about this a lot, too, for at least wh- whatever Dean is doing for the period that that is in to be between when he died and when sam dies um one thing to poke a little hole in jules's theory um i don't think time is really linear up up wherever um i don't think dean was driving on the road for 40 years or however old sam was Not before. 40 years but like time had to pass like time still yeah, passed but, before sam showed up eh, i don't know <laughs> time is fake Time is what's the Doctor Who thing? I always forget that quote. Like time is like wobbly, timey wimey. Thank you. Brianna's the re- resident Welcome. Doctor Who and Sherlock asks you. You really covered the other two parts of Super Who Lock because I was really only into the Super. <laughs> you part know, Super was the last one I joined. Actually, there you go. That I was makes a sense. Are you still a Are you still a Whovian though? I fell off in midway through thirteen. Just the storylines weren't doing it for me as much. So there you go. It was it was the last one, but the, uh, yeah. the one that's continued to stay is <laughs> the super. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see what you mean by time not moving the same way or yeah. time flow. It would be interesting in the same way they explored it in Doctor Who if they did, you know, this isn't linear time happening. 
and that know, would fit that would fit with slaughterhouse five that would fit with slaughterhouse five because that i was actually book... gonna prompt you to bring that up because we haven't seen anything about that yet yeah yeah i there's definitely gonna like whatever it is whatever detailed multiverse theory i just said robbie's like doing the opposite like i know this like i know that i know that in episode 13 they're gonna come out with some big twist i'm gonna be like oh i'm so dumb like it's just gonna make me feel stupid but at this very moment that's what that's what i think well especially because like we were talking about like at a certain point they are gonna have to do something about the fact that the winchesters bumps up against canon like something has to happen to make it so that they can exist on their own and not worry so much about like messing up the original show i think one of the ways you do that is either by having them not be in the canon universe or have them get stuck somewhere where they're not in the canon universe anymore whether that's like dean messing with some stuff and giving his parents a second chance you know at redemption at a different life or not i think my problem is i just keep bouncing between theories from episode (laughs) to episode I know um, it's tough. That's my problem too. Is like even right now, I'm entertaining theories that I literally have never thought out fully. So I'm not going to say them because there's no real thought process. <laughs> you guys that. will let me go on the record and look dumb in two months. Exactly. Okay. Well, you I can't argue my... that that was not well thought out with your dissertation. Thank you. That I just... appreciate that. <laughs> well, the theory I was thinking was like, what if this is apocalypse world and we're seeing the before? Because the whole theory behind Apocalypse World was that Sam and Dean were never born, right? Like, that was the prompt. Mm. Like, mm. is Dean creating his own multiverse happening oh thing? Wait, you, kinda, it? you might have done something there. Wait. In, in the last two seconds <laughs> with an um, amazing theory like that. And just to be clear for everyone listening, Brianna has never said that out loud. <laughs> not in one no. show. Not it was just a thought I had because... Apocalypse World was the only other world we really explored with any depth. So it would make sense that if they were doing any sort of spinoff wise, I could almost see it of the season one being Dean finding out what actually happened and then trying to tweak things. And by doing that, he accidentally writes him and Sam out of the story. Which he would do. Therefore creating <laughs> Apocalypse World, which affects them in the future linear, linearly for Dean, but not so much for Mary and John. You know, Oh. No, I knew exactly no, what you're, you meant. You're scratching your you're head, so but you're right. making sense. Like... You're so right. Okay. That... I'm glad it was at least making sense to you. We're going to get <laughs> off this recording, and I'm going to think about that for three days. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, not, not a bad theory, mean. right? I'm just trying to remember no. if John, were John and Mary never supposed to have met in that universe? Because there was something there about, like, who's John? He or no, died. I think he died. Hang on. Because when Mary was talking to alternate bobby Mm -hmm. after they met um but it was bobby didn't know who john was yeah and but But she was like that was my husband don't meet until later but they don't meet in that universe because he died and so he knew mary okay hang on hang on (laughs) let's just stop talking before the apocalypse world was an alternate universe in which mary campbell refused to make a deal with azazel to resurrect john winchester in this world, Sam and Dean Winchester were not born. Okay. So in that... Yeah, in that theoretically, yeah. this could be that correct timeline, and she just decides not to make the deal once we get to that point, because we're not there yet. Hmm. You know something? It, that, I, that's, that's really pretty plausible. good theory. I don't know. Like... That's super plausible. But then what do you do with the rest of your seasons? Are they just going to cross that bridge when they get there? I think Robbie probably has a plan. 
Is it a plan that any of us will know? No, but I think he's probably thought about it. He strikes me as the type who, like, walked into his first meeting with Jensen with, like, a binder full of what his thoughts were. I was picturing a stack of papers where he just slams it down on his desk. I've got it. Pick a plot. Here's the six-year plan for for this Supernatural spinoff. And Jensen's like, oh, I thought we were just going to do how mom and dad met. (laughs) And he's like, no. This isn't how I met your mother? What? (laughs) I would. He already had her notepad out. The, The pen was flying. Mm-hmm. we've talked about this before but i think it would be really funny if at the end of it all it's just dean telling jack like all this story or something i don't know See, that is the one story. that i believed at the beginning <laughs> and i'm like sticking with it out of pure like nostalgia reasons um <laughs> not out of any actual evidence whatsoever can you imagine if that's how we got dean back visibly and and Jack, and it's just them sitting at a campfire, drinking a beer, and, like, <laughs> telling him the story. I still think that there's something going on with Dean, though, because the the one time that we physically saw him, like, that did not look like a man who was, like, peacefully chilling up in heaven, just, like, kicking back. Like, he looked like he was uh, thinking some English. thoughts. I think he's gonna meddle, and it's gonna... <laughs> That's going to be the axis for creating the universes. So, those metal and Winchesters <laughs> always screwing around. That could be why um, they honestly, lean into the Scooby-Doo references. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen him more. I mean, obviously, I mean, we knew, like, coming in that, um, A, they didn't want to overshadow this show and what the show was about by, um, you know, just having it be Jensen, Jensen, Jensen. But I did think we were going to see him a little more, even though Jensen did say... Um, you know, I'm not going to make that many on-screen appearances, whether that's because of his filming schedule with everything he's got yeah. going on or uh, just plot wise. But I don't know. That's just me. I felt I've he's going to come back in, in at some point, even if we're all wrong. And it's just another voiceover being like, I'm going to keep looking for answers and then drives off into the gray sunset. But um I can see him appearing in like the finale or something. I can see him showing in the finale only because I'm an obsessive creeper who knows that the Big Sky finale is almost done filming and that the Winchesters has, I think, 13 or 14 more shoot days left to it. So if he wanted to finish his season with Big Sky and then get on a plane and head over to Winchesters, he could totally do that, especially if they shot his Winchester scenes at the very end of their shooting schedule. Like if they literally just had like a whole day for just him if he needed to do a cameo. I think we're going to see him again. And again, it terrifies me because I think that if we do see him, it's going to be like the last five seconds of episode 13 and it's going to be setting up season two. (laughs) It's going to be him walking on going, hi, mom. And then it's going to cut to black. Like, that's going to be it. It's going to be him, a flashback, and John at the bus station handing him the key and the note being, like, walking away. I will be incandescent with rage. What's the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's like, I'm untethered and my rage knows no bounds. That's going to be me. (laughs) If that's how we we end the season. Especially since there is no guarantee that uh, we're going to get a season two out of this. Which... Speaking of, make sure you stream on the CW app and watch live as much as possible for the rest of the season. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that's all we have for theories, right, guys? Do we have any more? Aside from that mic been... drop of a Brianna theory that came out of nowhere. This isn't that well thought out. Proceeds to drop, like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. probably the most plausible theory out of all the ones. We yeah. Saw. 
And if and if that's not the actual if that's not the actual story, I petitioned for someone to let Robbie know that that could have been the alternative and that they could easily steal that if they need it. So that was kind of the end of our season for the fall, which is really sad because now we have to wait a whole like month, two months to get the show back again. Uh, the show is going to be returning on Dean's birthday on January 24th, which is very cool. I love I love when things like that happen. Um, and it's also going to be in a new time. So just to alert everybody, it is now 9 p.m. EST, not 8 p.m. If you tune in at 8 p.m., you're going to see a rerun of the last episode of the Winchesters. So make sure that you're tuning in at 9 o'clock now um, on January 24th, the next episode. We don't have much information going into the next one. We just know that Tom Welling's obviously going to be back again. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. We have a couple cool podcasts coming at you over the hiatus. Uh, we're going to hopefully have a bunch of the nerds on to kind of talk about their thoughts on the season and their theories, uh, what they think is going on. So that should be really fun. And then we will come at you with some new episodes once they start airing again. And hey, who knows, maybe we'll have a Christmas holiday miracle and we'll get a renewal announcement before then. Who knows? Well, that's our show for this week. Be sure to check back soon for our weekly coverage of the Winchesters. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SPN on the Road Pod. And make sure to head over to at Nerds and Beyond for all your nerdy news. This week's episode was edited by Jules Thompson and produced by Brianna Lester, Kennedy Lynch, and Jules Thompson for Nerds and Beyond. Our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch. 